0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Mark, the seventh chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment. And they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears And after spitting, touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. It says the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. There are two really obvious things that I want to say to you this morning. They're incredibly obvious, but they have to be said because our world likes to ignore them, likes to not notice them, or to change them altogether. Here's the first really obvious thing being deaf is not normal. Being deaf is not normal. It's not the way things are supposed to be. It's not supposed to be that anybody has any sort of affliction in their bodies. Take your pick from the list of things that might go wrong. You're not supposed to be blind. You're not supposed to be deaf. You're not supposed to get sick. You're not supposed to be hungry and weak. You're not supposed to die. It's not normal. I have to say that because I had an experience once that kind of brought this to my attention. I was with a group of pastors, and there was somebody talking about deaf ministry. And the fellow who was describing deaf ministry took to task one of my fellow pastors because he had used the word normal to describe somebody who could hear. He said, no, no, we don't use that word normal to describe somebody who can hear. We say they are hearing They're a hearing person and a not hearing person. We don't say normal and deaf. Now he was paying attention to the kind of stigma and condescension that happens when people suffer these kinds of afflictions. But there was something really striking to me that we in our world try really hard, want really badly for things to be considered normal that are not, or not to notice when things are out of the ordinary when things are not the way they are supposed to be. Although it might hurt feelings, although it might be sensitive, it's true, it's not normal for someone not to be able to hear. And again, that's true of everything that might go wrong in a person's life, all of the physical things that a person might suffer. It's true also of all of the social things that might go wrong in our world on account of sin. Think of any of the number of things that are taken as quite normal in our world divorce, suffering trauma, children running amok being disobedient and rebellious, addiction, the kind of suffering that comes with addiction, hurting one another, causing grief, all of these things are taken to be unfortunate, but normal. It's just what happens. Most of all on that list is death. It's just what happens. It's sad and tragic, yes, but it's normal. God says something quite to the contrary. It's not normal. It's not how things are supposed to be. That fellow who was deaf and unable to speak in our gospel lesson, it was not how things were supposed to be. And Jesus knew it. His friends knew it. He knew it. If we live in a world that tries to deny that those things are not how they're supposed to be, then we will never see, never perceive, never receive the goodness that Jesus has for us. There's another side to this whole discussion about what's normal and how things are supposed to be that we really have to pay close attention to as Christians. And that is, in our world, really, the surprising thing is that anything ever goes as it is supposed to. The surprising thing is that anything is normal at all, that we have any sense of normalcy in our lives. That's surprising. We confess this in the first article of the creed when we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And Luther explains that God gives us all kinds of good things, normal things. He gives us things the way they were supposed to be, families and homes and food and health. He gives us all of these things. Why? Not because we have deserved them, but only out of his fatherly divine goodness and mercy. It has to be according to his mercy that anyone can hear at all, that anyone can speak at all, that anyone can see, that anyone can live. It has to be by his mercy, because what we deserve according to our sin is death and punishment. We were burdened with curses when Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden, curses that we should fully expect to be realized in this life. And yet, somehow, because God loves us, he preserves some sense of normalcy. He gives us some things that are normal so that we can have peace in this life. That's such an important thing for us to observe because it is the exact opposite of the way the world wants to think about things. The world wants to see corruption and decay as normal, as understandable. This is how the world reacts. This is the principle that underlies evolution, kind of our modern outlook on life. Well, it's just the circle of life. If you look at nature, there's all kinds of suffering. It's just normal. It's how it goes. There's all kinds of grief and decay. It's just how it goes. There's all kinds of sickness and hunger and want and scarcity and finally death. It's just how it goes. That's normal. That's the way the world thinks of things. And even many Christians try to explain this stuff in a completely wrong way. They say, well, that's how God made us. He didn't make us perfect. He made us human. And so we make mistakes, and we run into trouble, and we suffer. But that's not true at all. That's a complete denial of what God says when he creates the world in Genesis. God looked at all that he made, including humanity, and said, it is very good. There is nothing wrong with it. This is how it's supposed to be. Sometimes the world looks at the way things go, the trouble that we run into in life, the way that we suffer, and it digs in its heels and rebels against what God says, because if this is the life that we're going to live, we might as well have our own way. We might as well just enjoy what we can, make the most of it, do what we want at others' expense. Or many people will grumble. They'll look at the suffering of this life and they will say, I don't deserve this. I deserve something better. Things should go better for me. I'm a good person. I do what I'm supposed to do. I don't hurt anybody. Things should go better for me. All of those reactions in the world, whether it's outside of the church or inside of the church, all of those reactions to things not going the way they're supposed to be, they're false, misleading reactions. I want you to see all of that. And it's obvious though we're often... Obscured from seeing it. I want you to see all of it because I want you to pay close attention this morning to how Jesus reacts To things being abnormal To things not going the way they should how he reacts to suffering and pain and grief Look at what he does when he meets this fellow who is deaf and cannot speak He takes him aside and he does some very strange things, which should be a lesson to us. Jesus doesn't always do things the way we would expect. He sticks his fingers in the guy's ear and then he spits and he touches his tongue. So if you ever wonder why God makes you uncomfortable, here it is. This is how Jesus behaves. This is what he does. But listen to what comes next. He looked up to heaven and he sighed. Now that word is not the kind of sigh that like, You sighed when you were a teenager and your parents told you to do something that you didn't want to do. It's not like, oh, this is terrible, I have to do this, I have to deal with this sort of a thing. It is a sigh that is much more like a groan from the depths of his being. He looks up to heaven and he groans in agony. Why? Because Jesus looks at this poor fellow who is deaf and cannot speak, and he knows that this is not what he had made him for. This is not how things are supposed to be. This fellow is suffering, and it should not be this way. Jesus groans because he also knows that kind of suffering. Think of what a marvelous thing it is. unbelievable that God, who should never know any suffering of any kind, took on human flesh so that he could suffer alongside us, so that when he groans, it is a groan of sympathy. A groan that knows exactly where our pain comes from, has experienced it himself, who knows what affliction looks like. Jesus, he groans because he knows our pain. And that groan, it is a godly groan. This is not grumbling. This is not complaining. This is what Paul describes in Romans chapter 8, the same kind of groan with which all creation is groaning as it waits eagerly for God to do something about all that is wrong with this world. The whole creation groans, Paul says, and we, the children of God, also groan in eager anticipation for the redemption of our bodies because they are not as they should be. Something is wrong. Sin has infected us. We have been corrupted. And the Holy Spirit himself groans because even as we trust in God and as we pray, we cannot pray as we ought. So the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groans too deep for words, carrying our petitions, as weak and feeble as they may be, to God's ear, where he hears them, and where he knows what they consist of because he himself has suffered the very same thing. Jesus groans. That's how he reacts to the suffering of this poor man. That's how we should react to suffering in this world. We should not say, well, that's just how it goes, or that's just how God made us, or we don't deserve this. We should groan and hope in God's promises. We should not settle for the way this world goes, for the way this life goes. It's not how it's supposed to be. But notice also this. This is crucially important. Jesus doesn't just groan and say, oh, I feel terrible for you, buddy. Chin up. You've got other senses. You can get by in this world. Your eyesight will become better if you can't hear. He doesn't offer those kinds of lame condolences. What does he do? He heals the man. He groans and then he acts. He saves this poor fellow from what has been afflicting him. He redeems his body from what it has been suffering. Jesus knows what suffering is like. He regards it with the innermost parts of his being and groans and acts to save. Most of all, most of all, you can see this on the cross. What does Jesus do on the cross But cry out in lamentation, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he is bearing in himself all of the suffering that you have suffered in this life, all of the suffering that you deserve, which you will not suffer because he has taken your place. The weight of your sin he has taken on himself and he groans. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Groaning to the point of breathing out his spirit. Giving up his spirit so that you can receive it so that you can have life. That is how we should think about this world, this life, things that do not go the way they're supposed to. That's how we should think about suffering and affliction and pain and loss and grief. We should think about it according to the cross. We should take it as seriously as Jesus took it, giving up his life to deal with it. And we should put our hope in him. We should live according to his promises. This is the second really obvious thing that I want to draw your attention to. The first was that it's not normal for things to go wrong in this life. It's not normal. The second is much more hopeful. It's that when you've been given ears to hear and a tongue to speak, you should use them. Imagine for a moment what would have happened if this fellow whose Jesus has just stuck his fingers into his ears and spit and touched his tongue, if that fellow who could now hear and who can now speak stuck his own fingers in his ears and says, la, 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 I don't want to hear anything, or refuses to use the tongue that God has given him to say anything. It's unimaginable that having been given this gift, now able to hear and now able to speak, it's unimaginable that he wouldn't use them, and that's in fact what he does. There it is in our passage. It's so obvious. He had his ears open, his tongue was released, and what did he do? He spoke plainly. How could he do anything else? He's been restored. What was broken has been mended. What was lost has been given back. What was condemned and corrupted has been redeemed and of course, of course, he puts it to use. The same goes for you and this is one of the precious things about Jesus's miracles is that although you're not living in ancient Palestine and you're not suffering from what this man was suffering, you have spiritual afflictions that are just the same. And what Jesus does for this man he has done for you. In the waters of holy baptism, he has taken your deaf ears, which could not hear God's word, which could not recognize the voice of your shepherd, which would have rebelled against the sound of his voice. He took your ears and he opened them. So now you can hear God's promises for you. That's a miracle beyond estimation. Don't take that lightly, that here you are sitting and you can hear God's word. That should not have happened to us. We were under a curse, and yet God came to us and spoke to us and set us free. And he has loosed your tongue so that now you can speak rightly, so that you can speak plainly. And it's not just about your tongue, but it's about your whole life. So think about what it means to live according to God's promises. It means living as though sin actually means death, as though sin has consequences for this life and the next, It means living as though Christ actually died to forgive you your sins. And that he has given that forgiveness to you in abundance so that you never need to worry. So that it can never hurt you again. It means living as though Christ actually rose from the dead. And if Christ rose from the dead, so will you. It means living as though death holds no power over you. As though you have a place in God's kingdom secured for you by the blood of Jesus. It means living as though everything will one day be restored to you. That everything that you suffer now, that everything with which you are afflicted, everything that grieves you, everything that hurts you, all of the hurt that you have caused, all of that is being dealt with in Christ Jesus so that one day you can live perfectly in peace. Free from corruption, with every tear wiped away from your eyes. With no suffering, no sorrow, no pain. That's what it means to live as though your ears have been opened and your tongue has been loosed and your life reflects it. Rejoice that this precious opportunity has been given to you. Rejoice like this poor fellow who, having his ears open and his tongue loosed, cannot help but speak God's word. All of the people around him, even, they couldn't help but proclaim what God has done. Do the same. Live according to God's promises. Don't hold back. Live like you're going to live forever. And thank God that he has worked such wonders for you. To God alone be all glory now and forever. Amen. Amen.